Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today today we're we are going to be discussing the 1979 science fiction film Stalker. This will contain spoilers. So, Tom, do you want to give a synopsis? Uh, sure. So, the film is set in... I, I don't even know if you could... If it, I guess it's a close future where some kind of object described as a meteorite has crash-landed on Earth. Um, and I think it's the place around the crash site is called The Zone. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and everywhere else is kind of dystopian-ish society. It's more just like communist Russia. Um, but in the zone is supposed to be this room that can will grant your innermost wish. Uh, so it's about the stalker who is paid to take uh, two men, writer and professor, to this room that will grant their wishes. And that's that's basically the plot. Yeah. And to be clear, the, the the word stalker doesn't mean like the definition that we've come to use in the English language, like someone following someone around or being creepy. Like it's just the name for people who take like clients to go in, into the room and across the navigate across the zone. Yeah. So act as like a tour guide. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. so it was so the film was based on a book called uh roadside picnic uh written by the stragatsky brothers who also did the screenplay to this film so um like they obviously collaborated a lot with tarkovsky because it's apparently quite a different like it's loosely based on the the book but there are differences um and it's sort of like the plot's changed a bit um the film's very much seems to be like tarkovsky's vision and we've none of us have seen tarkov any of tarkovsky's well i don't know have you seen any tarkovsky films no no i've been wanting to watch solaris but i've not seen it yeah uh, we were we were only uh, introduced to this by a, like a viewer suggestion uh, from Manu Viraj. Sorry if I've pronounced your name incorrectly, um, but thank you for that. Um, I don't know what what did you think of it. Well, first of all, one of the strange things that we brought up is the relatively innocuous title "Roadside Picnic." It doesn't seem to sort of fit in with. It's not necessarily horror, it's not horror, but it's sort of really slow-paced and like drawn-out 
scenes which like provoke loads of imagery and it's very it's very much like a yeah it's like a sort of psychological it just doesn't really seem like it fits in with roadside picnic so i wonder how similar they are or whether that i don't don't really get that title then obviously stalker you wouldn't necessarily you were saying how the definition sort of changed you wouldn't necessarily think that this was um would be about initially, but yeah, just just from the title, you'd like assume it would be a I don't know, like a a horror film where it's like a slasher and there's someone following someone around when it <laughs> really couldn't be any further from that. Yeah, well, it also I think... couldn't be any further from the book title. The, yeah. In the book, the stalkers actually like go into the zone and steal artifacts i think so they more do like stalk around the zone if you know what i mean mm. so it kind of makes sense and yeah. i suppose you are seeing that they do have to be quite careful going through the zone as there are loads of traps yeah. and things yeah um so as this is tarkovsky is pretty famous for like his cinematography and um he he doesn't like cutting a lot so did you say there were 142 cuts in the whole film, Ben? Yeah, something like that. It was like... Yeah, so a lot of long shots, but um, sometimes they're static and then sometimes maybe not as mobile as like 1917 long shot or whatever, but it, it's almost like a... I saw someone describe it as a dreamlike movement of the camera, which I can kind of see where it moves so subtly that you're not really comprehending that there's a camera moving. It just kind of makes sense that it will move. And yeah, there's a yeah. lot of stuff where maybe it's following something in the foreground, then they move out the way and it reveals something in the background that now becomes the focus. So there's a lot of cool things like that. And some of the cinematography is great. So that's definitely one of the highlights. Yeah, like yeah. really gradual shots of zooming in over time that could take up mm. to almost five minutes on one scene. Also, there was very minimal music as well. It tended to sort of play on the surrounding sounds. Yeah. There was a, yeah. It was quite prominent with the like raindrops and sound of water, sort of playing an ambience and just the natural surroundings to sort of, as you say, create that atmospheric tone. Yeah. And when there it, was music, it was it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it sort of seemed to focus on like one particular sound at any moment. There wasn't like many moments, I, I can't recall any to be honest, where there was like lots of things happening at once. You'd either be focused on like the dialogue or like one specific sound, like the sound of the raindrops or like um, at the very end, like, or also at the beginning to be fair, like the sounds of the train which also like pan across the stereo, um, which would which sounds cool and might sound better in like uh, surround sound as well. Yes. Yeah. Another more obvious thing is obviously it's it's uh, sort of structured like a cyclical structure with um stalker like being in bed at the start and finish, and obviously in the start and the finish it's in black and white whereas mm. the rest of it's in colour which I think 
to sort of play into this fantasy and dreamlike state and sort of questioning whether, well, whether this is a dream or there's also there's sort of that subtle reveal at the end that there might be some sort of, well, with the, what's she called, monkey, with her like telekinesis. So. And yeah, I think, yeah, I think she's called monkey. It's like a, a hint that maybe it's the stalkers uh, are the aliens or something, which plays in with like the the contrasting colours and so like the cyclical structure of the film. Yeah, the use of colour yeah. was definitely very noticeable. Um, like, yeah, as you said, it, it started and ended in black and white, but it wasn't even in the parts where it was colour. It there was it wasn't always like one tone. Like when they were outside, um, for. Like when they just entered the zone, it was very bright, very vibrant. You could see like a lot of like bright greens and colors like that. But um, yeah. sort of as it progressed, it kind of got into like a more sort of sepia tone, um, mm. which I guess sort of fit the mood a bit because um, you know when they were uh, the, the stalker, the professor, and the writer were just like lying, lying down. Um, on the grass, it was, it was very the tone of the dialogue and the story at that point was kind of very bleak, I guess, because they were all disagreeing on um, stuff like art and poetry and science and stuff. Um, yeah. But the, the yeah the colors definitely uh, reflected that, which is very. <laughs> which is very good I think the colour was almost a representation of hope at least for me hope seemed to be quite a big theme of the film talking yeah. about hope and um, obviously at the end it becomes more about a lack of hope and when it goes back to its black and white tone because that seems to be what this magical room that will grant wishes kind of represents uh, is people's hope and so when they first get into the zone, they're obviously seem to be excited and, you know, hopeful, <laughs> hence the colour. At least that, that that's yeah. how I saw it, I think. No, yeah. I, 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 can, I can definitely see that. I guess another sort of theme is, like, the theme of home, especially for, like, the stalker who, um, who he basically says that... Um, like everything that me everything that has meaning to him is just in the zone he he's caught his character's sort of like he doesn't really seem to have motivations other than like allowing people to like go to the room and achieve their desires which kind of seems kind of like compassionate i guess but um there's like a big so uh, there's a lot of like arguments and disagreements and tensions between the characters throughout the films, um, but there was definitely one where he, I think that they were, they called him a louse or something. Um, yes. Yeah, and he was just like, well, I may be a louse, but this is essentially just this zone is my home. Um, back 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 out outside of the zone, it doesn't mean anything to me. Which I guess might yeah. also tie back into like the colours, I guess, because once he's once he's back out of the zone, it 
goes um, black and white again. So yeah. maybe he's sort of lost his hope. There's also a thing saying that he didn't see anyone leave the room um, happy. They they talked about that as well, and it's almost whether I, for me, it made me think that maybe it's kind of hope that gives happiness, and then if you just fulfill that, then there's nothing to be hopeful for. Like um, writer was saying that if if you if your innermost desire is to be a genius, and then if he, you know, he becomes a genius and he knows he's a genius. What's the point in him writing anymore? Yeah, he, he yeah. writes to feel like he had, proves uh, himself to other people. But the then, stalker, yeah, go on. I'm just gonna say like he's denied from the freedom that's associated with the room. But then there's also sort of that underlying theme of the corruption of it because there's the story of pork. Porcupine, who um, who went into the room, he was a stalker himself, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes, he was the teacher. Then, yeah. And then uh, he hangs himself a week after being granted his wish, and there's sort of that um, thing surrounding it that you, you don't, you sort of don't get everything. You just get one, like your deepest wish, which you might not even know what it is yourself. So there's sort of that. Um, is it is it really the the right option? And I think that's also something that that explores with uh, professor and writer because obviously they not professor um, scientist and the writer because they never actually enter the room. Obviously, um, from this from what I'd seen, it sort of said that the writer wanted to go for inspiration for a book, and then they scientists wanted to go to like explore and sort of look at the technicalities of the, the uh, zone hmm. it's more of like an inner journey which also links back to like the colours and the sound and a lot of the like, cinematography decisions that the director made yeah hmm uh, and one thing I remember also the writer had a monologue about art and um, it was like about art and how art was selfless. A mankind exists to create art and it's uh, it's like an image of the truth. Uh, this is when he was talking about like, well, right, if you know you're a genius. So I guess... I'm trying to I'm trying to figure this out because he also said that he was writing to prove himself to people. But uh, yeah. I think it's the kind of thing where if you go and seek out to be genius, then that is a selfish act. So then, yeah. you know, you can't really then create art, art from it. Um, I don't know. There are a lot of themes that aren't supposed to be explained. I know that. I know that Tarkovsky liked to leave stuff unanswered. There's definitely yeah. a lot of like profound dialogue as well because there was that the moment I think it was when the stalker was talking about how weaker people like conquer strong stronger people and how yeah like hardness is associated with death. Um, there was definitely a lot of memorable yeah. weakness is a sign dialogue. of fresh life. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, and then, uh, and they also talked about the scientist just wanting to, because it was said that he was just bringing like uh, equipment right to record stuff in the room and find out yeah. about it and whether it does really give wishes. But the writer kind of mocks him, so you you wonder if. Uh, for me, that was Tarkovsky telling people not to like make fun of hope. Mm. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Well, I think it's I think it's kind of important to understand what Tarkovsky was trying to do with, um, well, not just this film, but all of his other ones. Um, not that we've seen any others, but um, he. He says himself uh, that he basically, like, art isn't just about, um, like, being able to intellectually understand and dissect things. Um, It's also about, like, emotion and how it feels to, and what it means to you personally. So, and that's obviously very clear with this film, because there's some themes motifs and stuff that he's made very very clear very obvious but there is there's some i guess ambiguity um yeah which is definitely left up to you the viewer to take what you will from it and i guess and apart from the i guess apart from the dialogue to be honest there's nothing that's really very um i guess intellectually concrete because the the, i guess the themes that he does have are very they're very emotional they like this for example the theme of hope um theme of what what's home to i guess the stalker um it's very much emotional rather than intellectual and whilst you can dissect the film and all of its well, I guess, like with other stuff, you can compare it to, um, I guess the like political landscape at the time, or um, things happening in the director's life. But that, I, don't, I really don't think that's the case here. So, yeah. Yeah, mm. I read that quote somewhere. He said, "Where if a thousand people read the same book, then that's a thousand different books." Which yeah. is sort of like opening up that interpretation and ambiguity um which i think is definitely one of the key themes in the in the film it's, it's not telling you what to think it's up to you it's up to you to sort of work out what each character wants they say that nothing's necessarily concrete mm. yeah hmm I definitely I see how like help. it's an, an emotional response. A lot of people talk that it's about an emotional response, and they they also talk about like not being conscious of what your desires are, and I think that kind of links to it being emotional rather than an intellectual response. And uh, talking about because uh, even right at the start it says, "How do you know?" that you want the things that you want and that you don't want the things you don't want. I think, I think it's something, he says something like that. Yeah. Come back to the colour as well. As you're saying, the, the society that 
we're introduced to at the start isn't necessarily dystopian, but it's more that they sort of just want to escape the monotony of everyday life and just because they're not necessarily saying that the um, zone is an exciting place. However, it, as they never actually enter the room, it's more to do with the journey rather than the actual destination, sort of the mm. things that they learn along the way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of, it's definitely kind of symbolic that they don't enter the room. And if you think about it, really, in an objective sense, nothing much really happens in the film's plot because all that really happens is that there's um, the stalker essentially just being a, a tour guide to um, the the writer and the professor to take them to the room which is going to fill their desires but they don't go in and just return home and for yeah. a film that's two and a half hours in length that's I guess kind of incredible that they've managed to spend so much time more into like what it um, I guess the feeling and what I'm trying. I'm trying to think on the spot here. So forgive me if I'm sounding yeah. a bit stupid. But um, one of the things, sort of the long shots and uh, just the cinematography definitely does help heighten uh, sort of the suspense. And but you know when they're walking down the tunnel, and yeah. It, in in reality, there's nothing that threatening about the zone itself well i know that there actually was because uh he died of like radioactive poisoning but um it's never actually we never see much of a threat um but just the way that they direct it although sometimes it can almost be too prolonged which means that it, it doesn't have quite impact just some shots were just excessively long but I think that does definitely help to heighten the uh, sense of tension and helps you like relate to the characters in this fearful situation mm. that, is, that one criticism is that they like they do go through the zone and they're talking about how these traps are really dangerous and that many people have died here but I, I I don't think we really ever see a trap, and that's the problem. No. It, it, some, it sometimes feels like um, these characters are being tense for not much reason, and I, and I, I, don't, I don't know if it would, um, if people would think it would make it worse if they even just showed a trap going off or whatever, because then it becomes more entertainment than art or something. But yeah, for me, it it lowered the tension, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I, I definitely the... agree. Sorry, because like, um, yeah, I think if they just shown like one single trap going off, um, which would be, which would like heighten the tension, it would spike in like one second, but then the, it would pretty much be back to normal. I think I get that that might not have been what Tarkovsky was going for, but personally, I'd say that's definitely. A criticism I've had, I'd have because it's like it's like the audience is meant to feel tense, 
but you're not giving any, you're not given any reason for it, really. I mean, I know there's, yeah. you're told there's traps, but it's like it's hard to kind of believe they're there when you're not physically like shown the effects of what could happen. Yeah, which is why, as I was saying, I don't think that if it had been directed by someone quite maybe like quite an incompetent director, then it might. I don't necessarily think it would have been that good a film, just because there's never mm. really that sense of immense threat. And although it is generally well received, a few criticisms I have seen have been um, sort of questioning why is this a sci-fi? It doesn't really fit in with the genre. And although there's references to aliens and the like, meteorite, you never actually see any of it, which I know... I know a lot of the point of this is the interpretation and ambiguity, but it would have been nice just a couple of times to sort of uh, back that up with actually showing us why they're so fearful. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't even say that they know themselves, maybe the stalker, the two people who are going on this adventure is very much, they've heard it secondhand as well. When he's saying, yeah, Oh, so many people have died in the tunnel. Because they say, how did you find out about the room? And it, it was the stalker that told us. So I, I guess they also say that maybe it's just all made up and this guy is having them on. Yeah, like yeah. it could be, a, I guess, sort of urban legend, maybe. Yes. Mm. I don't I, I guess that's sort of something you could read into. Um, but that would be your personal... That would be your personal... Uh, like dissection of the film that would be like the equivalent of um read a thousand yeah. books a thousand different interpretations i guess a couple like i could think of would be like it's an urban legend would be one and it might or might not have happened the the alien invasion the the meteorite and everything or i guess it could have you could take you could view it as like being completely 100 percent true and that maybe the stalker himself is is one of the aliens because he seems to know everything about it, and there's sort of a little mm. hint towards that at the end, with like um, the the wife's monologue and the uh, the daughter being able to use telekinesis. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of really up up to you that one what did you think of the ending yeah. the i don't know telekinesis that, that just kind of confused me yeah yeah because um time i watch an x-men <laughs> yeah because the website i used to get like questions from for films didn't have anything for this which was weird i don't know if it was the what? website bugging out or have like... any, is there gonna be a sequel <laughs> yeah they usually is there going to be a sequel explain the ending or like i don't know where was it filmed yeah <laughs> uh there wasn't a sequel because tarkovsky died um the ending i have no clue i think i don't think it's meant to be metaphorical or like oh wait 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 it could be the trains causing the glass to move but it could also be telekinesis could be oh. a magnet onto the desk. I did not know this. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of people realized um, 
<laughs> it was trains or something. And, oh, oh, uh, oh just uh, some people think it, so that maybe the, the the zone prefers to grant secret heartfelt wishes rather than the wishes we think we have. So um, maybe the stalker kind of wished for his daughter to be well, but instead like gave her, you know, get, wanted her to be able-bodied, but instead kind of gave her some telekinesis, if that makes sense. Made her so it cured her in a different way. Yeah, which makes sense. Or does that imply that he entered the room? Uh, I don't know because it's it's also I guess about the zone. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he entered the room. To be honest, because yeah. I don't know. Just the the his sort of I guess the way he's sort of obsessed with the zone in the room because I don't know. This this is just a theory, but like um. If there was if if there was legitimately a, a room that could grant you whatever you wanted and you were there and you went in, you just and the wish was granted. Um I guess even if it was like uh a wish that you didn't know, like your deepest desire, um, but it wasn't like bad, you'd be like forever obsessed with that room. You'd yeah. always be thinking mm. of it and how it um had such an effect on your life so maybe that's why he's he's doing it maybe he had like maybe porcupine who's the other stalker like he he kind of he wished for his brother to be brought back to life but it turned out his deepest desire was just for money and wealth and so once the room gave him that he just kind of hanged himself because he couldn't deal with the guilt but maybe yeah. for the stalker we are shown it was more of a positive experience and he wants to share that with people I don't know even if you didn't have the, the tragic event happen to you like Porkman did there'd always be that sort of maybe not guilt but there'd always, there'd always be that uh, question about um, I could have I could have like someone else might have uh, way better with it i could have had a better wish almost like if someone just gets a load of money then you'd almost feel is that seriously just the 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 thing that i really want is that you'd almost feel like a bit incomplete Mm. which i guess is is i mean obviously there's the catalyst of his uh brother's death but with porcupine that's obviously one of the big motives behind his suicide yeah. Mm. <laughs> Apparently, uh, a lot of people still don't know what Tarkovsky was trying to convey in it. Even the people that wrote the script, the Thingy Brothers, I can't remember their names now. Uh, they, they, they just kept rewriting it until Tarkovsky said, okay, I like this. Yeah. So who, ben, who knows? Ben, didn't you say something weird about like the the reshoots and then the the effects that that had and like just the things that were going on like behind the scenes of it, which was a oh, bit yeah. odd. So basically, the film had to be reshot multiple times. I think it was three times it had to, because of various reasons, including like the quality of the film stock they had it was just. 
um, really bad. So they had to reshoot it a few times. There was some tension on the crew. Um, but anyway, a few years later, um, Tarkovsky himself, his wife, and one of the actors on the film, I can't remember his name, um, they all sort of died of lung cancer sort of around like similar times um and like you can't prove it but it was sort of theorized that the the place they were filming was sort of radioactive um and obviously like the more time you spend in an area that's radioactive you're gonna have more effects on you and stuff but so if it was just once one one shoot then it would still affect them and probably shorten their lifespan a bit but by having to reshoot it three times it's kind of like ironic in a sense that he he died and it's so it gives like um because if you watch it knowing that that's happened it kind of gives it it kind of adds to the eerie atmosphere that yeah not only is this is last film um i can't remember i think it's either his last or one of his last he only did seven films i don't think it is his last yeah uh i i can check i think he look it up mr did one in the 80s i feel like um and this was 1979 Apparently he wrote, uh, he, the, he wrote the, the sacrifice, which came out in eighty six. Um, yeah, he directed nostalgia, and yeah, he's di- he's di- yeah he directed a couple of other things after. Yeah, but yeah. started becoming known as he was he was credited as Andrei Tarkovsky quite a lot. Oh yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's, that's his name. That's his name. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was it's with a Y. It's with a Y. That's why it confused me. I don't tend to watch a lot of um, like foreign films, uh, but I definitely enjoyed this. But I don't necessarily think it would be something I'd want to come back to again. At least not in the short term. Just because, just say it's very long. A lot of the shots are drawn out. One that comes to mind, because some of them were quite impactful, uh, the way that they were directed, but there was one just before it transitioned to colour when they were all like driving into the uh, zone. It was probably about five minutes of just uh, close-up shots on each of their faces. Oh, it was just that point. I was just thinking. I actually like that one. (laughs) Yeah, I could not bear that one. But it was it was the tunnel. The tunnel. What I felt felt went on a bit long. Yeah, there were definitely there was some scenes. I was alright with the close-ups. Yeah, there was some scenes where it's like the same sort of feeling you get if you were like I don't know on a hill or something and watching like uh, the landscape around you. And so there'll be shots like that which. The shot itself is beautiful. There are some shots where the shot itself is um, trying to create a mood or um, build suspense or something. But then there's definitely like there's the shots 
like Ollie said about um, the the ones with the close-ups of the faces, and also um, even the ones where it was trying to build the mood, I feel went on a bit long sometimes, because there was one while we were watching it that um, <laughs> Ollie left the room after like five minutes um, because <laughs> like well five. Five minutes of. I shot. went to the toilet. By the way, I didn't just storm out because I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so it, we were just like, well, it's it's been five minutes. Nothing's gonna happen for a while. It just kind of got used to it. Instant, he left the room. <laughs> One of the characters pulls out a gun. <laughs> and by the time he comes back, it's it's all the tension's died down. But like that yeah. shot, I found myself. Um, I didn't. I didn't want to, but unintentionally, sort of zoning out a lot during the film. I just like yeah. check my phone or um, I don't know, look something up or like fiddle with the stream settings or something. Like I was trying my best to pay attention, but my mind kind of did wander, and I think that's yeah. kind of. That's definitely like you can, even if you're like a fan of like films with a more with more substance. That like this is the like, the polar opposite of Mile Twenty Two in absolutely every way, <laughs> <laughs> even down to the shots. Um, but um, even if you're a fan of uh, films with more well, in this case, more emotional depth than intellectual. It's two hours and 30 minutes and it might bore you. I don't want to say bore because I was kind of invested in the story, but um, it you'll you'll lose attention unless you're like really, really focused. I get what yeah. you mean when you say losing attention, but also invested in the story. Because mm. I did feel that. And it's telling because... If you check the reviews on IMDb, there's kind of like a split. The people that give it amazing reviews, it's usually about two-thirds people say they found it helpful. Uh, people that say they found it boring and hated it, it's also about like half to two-thirds finding it helpful. So yeah. it is a split. And I feel like I don't want people to say, <laughs> you know, to be ashamed if they found parts of it boring. I mean, obviously, it is definitely meant to be more art than entertainment, in my opinion, which obviously isn't a bad thing and explores interesting themes and has emotional depth. But uh, I, I think it's this. also valid to call it boring at parts. Not, yeah. I'm not saying the full thing is boring. This is entertainment of excellence, not art of excellence. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. Also... Um, it's quite interesting how you say you're always invested in the story because as we talked about before, it's quite minimal the story. There's not it's not necessarily oh, yeah. like some of the other things we've watched where there's quite a complex plot. It's mainly just well, sort of this I guess sort of like a pilgrimage and a tour um to find this room which obviously they don't eventually go in. So to say that realistically not much actually happens. Uh, it's quite interesting how although some scenes might be drawn out you're always invested in the story yeah yeah. so I guess like even though this review's kind of had spoilers in it um, on the off chance you're watching this and um, 
you haven't seen the film, I guess the advice I'd give would be get a good night's sleep before, because I didn't, <laughs> and I was zoning out a lot. Get a good night's sleep. Be like, be patient with it, because there will be yeah. shots where it's really long, and there will be times when you get bored. You need to be patient, and I guess try not to fast forward, because that's what... Um, because that's kind of against what Tarkovsky was wanting, but like, if you do, don't be ashamed to, because, you know, it's, it's not the most, I, I guess, like, on a deeper level, it's kind of stimulating, um, but only if you really think about, if you use it more as a think piece than, like, entertainment, I guess. Um, yeah. Which isn't like, necessarily a, insult or a criticism because that's how it was intended yeah and i thoroughly enjoyed it like, just because it, of that reason alone like if you're looking for to fill two hours and 30 minutes with something fun or to pass the time probably don't watch it um watch like i don't know something, something fun else. to pass the time like uh, lord of the rings <laughs> maybe good the bad of the ugly i don't know yeah, um, <laughs> I, but I, I guess if you've just got an afternoon spare, you've got an open mind, you're patient, um, and you're willing to accept the film for, for what it is, then give it a watch. You might enjoy it. You might not. Um, and that's totally fine, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that should be... Some of the fans are saying, like, if if you don't enjoy it, then... You're an idiot, but I think you are. Even though I personally did like this, I think you can not enjoy it. I think that's allowed. Yeah, yeah, I can. To I that's can sort of the point. It. You're entitled to your own perspective of it, and it doesn't mean that you're you're stupid if we, if you don't not understand. But if the if the themes don't necessarily resonate with you, then that that's sort of the point in it. it it's not It's not universal, and who will enjoy it? It's meant to be more sort of subjective, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. And also, I guess, if you can compare it to... I'm just trying to think. Like, being John Malkovich is another film we've done with, like, um, more of, like, a philosophical message, but that was kind of hidden under, like, the veil of comedy and fun and having a good time whilst doing it. This is very much a very basic story with that serves more as a think piece. So I could 100% see why you wouldn't enjoy it. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Right, so having said that, I guess, wrap it up. What did you think and what would you rate it? Uh, this is this is a difficult one to rate because I'm like how how do I want to, do I want to rate this on my enjoyment my thought of the exploration of the themes mm. uh, and in that way I'm not too sure or even just you know I guess the groundbreaking cinematography and stuff and sound design. yeah so it's... I I think. Uh, I guess an eight, but that's kind of a guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, 
it's like if you could give like a range of where you, you like the upper and lower limit of what you'd say you enjoy it most of the other films are pretty tight because you kind of have an idea of how much you enjoyed it apart from mm. maybe birdemic because objectively it's terrible <laughs> but um yeah. <laughs> birdemic aside um this is definitely like the largest range of uncertainty of where i'd put it because there's so many good things about it the cinematography is amazing the sound design's amazing the the themes explored and the openness of what you can interpret from it is amazing but equally it does have a habit of dragging on um you zone out you um it's not the most well it's barely a story at all so if you're looking for a story then you're just not going to really get it here um i don't know I've put seven for so many other things, but I've like seven point zero. But I'm gonna take an average. I'm gonna go with the cinematography. It's definitely eight. Um, but with like my enjoyment of it, kind of like I don't know, six point five. What's that? I'm not smart. I'm going to work it out on a calculator. Ollie, you go. 7.25. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, I I would give it higher than that um, because I'd heard of it quite a bit before with the majority of people saying that it's enjoyable. I, I don't know if it's enjoyable as such, but just because of the themes it explores and it also does it in a way very quite interesting because um, it's relatively mild. Like it's a PG. It doesn't really uh, excessively draw on like violence or profanity or drugs or anything like that. Which mm. is something that I know Blade Runner does quite a bit more. Uh, which is currently stands the highest rated thing. Yeah. yeah, you're the Blade Runner expert, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'd probably give it an. 8.2. Ooh. So Tom for one isn't the highest. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Average of 7.8. Fair enough. That's going to yeah. be like the third... Well... Oh, no, that's going to... Okay, that's unfair because that... Okay, I don't want to change my rating, but like, there's no way Black Panther's higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should have changed the Black Panther ratings. I think we do. We do need to reevaluate. <laughs> we'll just the, do a mini episode. episode ratings. Yeah. We'll do like a mini episode after like twenty episodes or something, and just like go over the old stuff and reevaluate it because yeah, um, Black Panther is not an eight, and actually that's your fault because I put seven point five and you put eight point five. <laughs> My tastes have changed in two years. I'd say that much. <laughs> Well, this mm. is a a big milestone. It's our tenth consecutive episode of coming it back. Is. It is, yeah. To so technically yeah. be our tenth episode if we didn't do the original ones. Yeah, and just a reminder that once we get fifty listeners on podcast platforms, oh, let's expand it. Let's say fifty listeners or fifty subscribers. 
we're gonna do Oof. Blade Runner 2049, the long lost episode, with Tom as a special <laughs> guest. Yes. What an incentive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um before we go on to recommendations, just like a huge thank you to Manu Viraj for um recommending us this film. Um he said check out a couple of other Tarkovsky films, which we might well do in the future. Um so but if you if you are a listener and you have any recommendations, something you'd like us to watch, please do send it in because we'd love to hear from you. Um and also we'll be skipping the uh submission spotlight section today purely because we only have one submission and we haven't got around to doing it yet because it's um it's a novel. Um but again, just a reminder, if you are I don't know, a musician, a filmmaker, a, a writer. Um, we even said like an artist or a poet or whatever. Just send us your work and we'll review it in on the podcast because we want to expand our tastes and interact with the audience a bit more. So having said that, reviews. Sorry, recommendations. I, I'm tired. I do not have a recommendation, unfortunately. And neither do I. I've had a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. Tom, you said you had one. Tom? Tom? <laughs> Is he gone? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> right, tell you what. How I'll, are we going to... Tell you what, I'll say that I'll, I'll recommend some music I've been listening to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> So, um there's a <laughs> his computer's crashed. No. Oh my gosh, Tom. So, there is a funk band, a synth funk band from Bradford in which is quite close to where we live. Um called Flash Cassette and they have two albums out called Flash Cassette and Flash Cassette 2 very interesting titles um, they have put out they essentially just do like um, sort of synth, uh, synth pop um, funk from the 80s but like with a more modern twist and then the newest album, which they put out in 2018, I think, um, that's is sort of I don't want to say a concept album, but it's got um, like little um, links, like little skits throughout it that um, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And I really, really like that. Um, because like one of the opening tracks um, is like a computerized voice and it goes. Um, like, uh, welcome. What would you like to listen to today? We search. We suggest soothing ambience. You chose ultra funk, and then it goes into a funky number. So, hello again, Tom. Hello. What album are you recommending? <laughs> um, <laughs> Flash cassette two by uh, Flash cassette. Wasn't going to recommend cool. it, but I had to save it because you went. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, does Ollie not have any recommendations? 
Actually, when I say I'm not going to recommend it, I wasn't going to recommend it. That's no offense to the band. I've I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that I um I recommended Chromio's um quarantine Casanova, which is quite similar last week, and I don't want to have a limited taste exclusively to synthfunk. You're allowed to have a limited taste. Oh, Wait, yeah. is Tom speaking? Uh, yes. I can't hear him. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Hopefully okay, the listeners can hear him. Uh, well, I'll just have to make my recommendation with Ollie having no idea what to do. <laughs> no, no idea what I'm saying. Um, so I, I'm in the middle of watching. So full disclosure, I've not seen the full thing, but I've heard it that it only gets better. Uh, I'm watching the German sci-fi Netflix show, Dark. So I'm about halfway through the second series out of three. Um, and it's, it's it's like about... So some boys go missing in this town and then it's kind of about the conflicts between the families that happens, except you, as you learn more, you realise that there's something to do with um, time travel going on. And it explores a lot of themes of time travel and paradoxes that can happen, like the bootstrap paradox, bootstrap paradox, uh, and you know the responsibilities you have when you travel in time. And also, just has like a really great plot, and is probably one of the first things to uh, talk about, like interacting with past family members not to give too much away since uh back to the future did it because then everything else was too scared to do stuff like that so uh yeah but the plot is amazing cinematography is really good as well and like the colors and stuff and um uh, what and also the soundtrack is amazing the score and stuff so definitely worth a watch in german with english subtitles Groovy. Oh yeah. Yeah, also, nice recommendation. <laughs> also, I can um, totally hear that. Yeah, we uh, once again apologise for the technical difficulties. Um, just about everything that could go wrong did go wrong in the last <laughs> in the last few minutes. But hopefully, uh, hopefully you can hear Tom and so. Um, oh yeah, and he's he's got a backup of his of his voice yes. so I can edit that in for the podcast platforms um, cool so <laughs> I guess we'll just end it before we embarrass ourselves any further I don't think we have much else to say <laughs> we've got on for 55 minutes yeah, thanks yeah. again for the suggestion though yeah yeah thank you thank you man of Raj we, re- we really appreciate that if you've got a suggestion send it in you can contact us via Instagram or Twitter, which are both at EOV Podcast. Um, our website is entertainmentofaccents.weebly.com, which is W-E-E-B-L-Y.com. Um, and you can obviously subscribe to us here. You can listen to us on all podcast platforms. Um, if, you're, if you're a creator and want your work reviewed on the podcast, please send it in. And most of all, share us with your friends and family. And if it's possible, 
uh, contact us and give us give us a review. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing terribly. If you want to hate on us, do it because then we can <laughs> get better. Um, yes, <laughs> it's true. It, it honestly is true. Really, though, um, if there's something you absolutely hate, we'll we'll fix it. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for staying despite the technical difficulties. Um, all right, see you. All right, see you.